Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Um, another really crazy thing that I, I love to do is helping people get where God wants them to be. Helping them to grow to become what God wants them to become. That's kind of what this dedication service is all about. And this morning you get a chance to hear from two young men who are chasing um, God's heart and God's dream for their lives and doing ministry in the meantime. And so they're going to share with you an in, about an internship they're participating in this summer. And so I'm going to ask for Michael Lockwood and Thomas Abaffy to come this way and share. Michael played, played the modesty card, and so when we uh, recognized grads, I didn't know except for his dad told me afterwards. Michael has gotten a full-ride scholarship to the University of Texas. So that's worth celebrating. And he's doing an internship this summer uh, with a ministry they're, going, they're both going to tell you about. So with no further ado, Thomas, last time I saw Thomas... He was like one of my boys his age. He used to run around here as a young fella, and he was. And we met at Paper City Coffee several weeks ago, and I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this? Who is this man? <laughs> and so they were. They, they know their stuff. They're 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 articulating well the things God has entrusted them with. And and I will be honest, for some of you, some of this is gonna be hard to digest this morning. But we believe in, 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 in preaching the truth as it is, not as we want it to be. Okay? So let's pray and let these guys lose. Lord, we thank you, God, for a chance, God, to hear, God, from your heart and your truth. God, I pray, God, even though truth may challenge and convict us, God, I pray we'd never turn away from it, never turn a blind eye to it, Jesus. And I thank you, God, for Thomas and Michael. God, for their ability and their desire to serve you, God, with boldness and courage, with love and compassion, God, with grace and truth, God, at the heart of what they're doing. And so, God, as we, they share with us, God, I pray, God, we'd have eyes to ear, hear, ears to, eyes to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive, Jesus, what you're about to show us. Lord, we thank you, God, and we trust you, and we bless you. It's in your great name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Aaron. It's very nice of you to have us today. Um, that was great worship service and wonderful timing for the baby dedication, actually. If you could put the slide up for our internship. Thank you very much for now. We are very young and we are very stupid, but God actually does have a good message to share with you through us today. So please give us your attention. We want to... Yeah, that's the good slide to start on. We want to begin by sharing with you about a historical figure that you've probably heard of before if you've watched the movie Schindler's List, and that man is Oskar Schindler. Oskar Schindler saved over a thousand Jews during the Holocaust. He was a businessman, he was very wealthy, and what he did was he bought Jews and pretended to use them as workers in his factory during World War II and the Nazis actually thought that they were being slaves for him, and that's what they liked. But they produced nothing. They just were housed in his factory for years, and then at the end of the war, they were set free. So he saved thousands by doing that, and he actually went bankrupt buying the Jews to house them in his factory. 
So we give honor to people like Oscar Schindler today, and we look up to people like him, and we want to be like him. And we don't just give shame to the perpetrators during the Holocaust, we also give shame to those who did nothing. So as we get into this, I want you to think about Oscar Schindler and how Created Equal, the internship that we're doing this summer, the organization is called Created Equal, how they are like Oscar Schindler. So I'm gonna give the mic to Thomas. Yeah, um, Created Equal is in a pro-life organization based out of Columbus, Ohio. And like Oscar Schindler, their goal is to save lives. Um, they've been at it for years now, and the founder, Mark Harrington, has actually been in the pro-life movement for like over 20 years, I believe. And they have, a, they have a really good organization, and one of their goals is to train up the next generation of pro-life uh, apologists and the pre-born defenders. So the way that they do that is they have a couple different things that they do. They have justice rides, and they have summer internships. And the justice rides are based after the freedom rides of the civil rights movement. They take high school and college-age students they all get on a bus and go down to Florida in the spring, and they stay around uh, Columbus in the summer, and they go to college campuses and abortion clinics, and they talk with people about abortion and about what it really does to children. And I think the next, can you go to the next slide, please? Um, we, at the college campuses, that's one of their outreaches. They have a couple different ones. So at the college campuses, we bring signs and we talk with students about, um, about abortion. We give them our case and we ask them what they think about it. Uh, they also go to high schools and they also do overpass outreaches where they have big banners um, in the morning and they show what abortion looks like. And at the clinics, they try and talk to women, counsel them and say, look, there's other, even in Columbus, there's other clinics that can give you free consultations and free ultrasounds and you don't have to choose this option. You have more choices. And um, that, that's basically what they do. They, they expose abortion for what it truly is, and they're training the next generation of pro-life defenders. And if you want to just very shortly show the next two pictures, those are different types of outreaches. That's downtown in Cincinnati. We're talking to people and showing what abortion looks like. And then the next picture is actually a clinic where we pray, we pray that the clinic will be shut down, we show women going in what's about to happen to their baby, and we talk to them and tell them that there's hope, there is a free clinic down the road usually, and we're willing to help them. We have families on our contact list that we can call that moment to adopt their child. So now that you've heard about what uh, Created Equal does, I'm going to tell you what Created Equal teaches us. We're young and stupid, but we also realize that there are people in here who may not be pro-life or may only be pro-life after a certain gestational age. So we're going to tell you why we're pro-life through all of pregnancy from day one of fertilization. So if you move on to the next slide, the case. You can go click three times. A syllogism is what this is. This is a syllogism. It's multiple premises and then a conclusion. This case against abortion is valid, meaning that if the first two premises are true, then the conclusion naturally follows. So the first premise is this. It is always wrong to directly and intentionally kill an innocent human. Most people agree with that. The second premise is this. Abortion directly and intentionally kills an innocent human. That's the point we usually have to argue for. 
And the third point is, therefore, abortion is always wrong. So, most people generally agree that it's always wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human. So, how do we defend the second premise? Well, there's two questions we must ask and answer. One, does abortion actually kill? Does it kill an organism? And the answer to that is obvious. Prior to abortion, we have a living, growing organism who multiplies in cells every single day. And after abortion, we have a bloody death of something that's no longer growing. But what does abortion kill? Is it actually a human being? Well, embryologists would tell us, yes, that is a human, because that human has distinct DNA, human DNA, a combination of his or her parents' DNA, and that human is directing his or her own development from within, from day one, growing and living. And embryologists will tell us that from the moment of fertilization, that is a new human being. And also, species only reproduce after themselves. It's not possible for a human mother to conceive a non-human organism inside of her through sexual reproduction. That just doesn't make sense. So we do know that that's a human. Now the only question is, if that's a human that's being killed by abortion, is that human equal in value to, to born humans like me and you? And so if you go to the next slide and click four times, we have an acronym. There are only four differences between the preborn and the born. And these four differences, we believe, don't justify killing the preborn because they don't make them less valuable. The four differences can be remembered by the acronym SLED. Size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. There's no doubt in our mind that the preborn are much smaller than us. But if size is what determines your value and makes uh, it allowed to be, or it allowed for you to be killed, then people in here who are smaller than me are less valuable than me, right? And people in here who are bigger than me are more valuable. And that doesn't make any sense because we know all humans are equal in value. The other difference is level of development. Does that determine our value? Well, if that's the case, then my 11-year-old uh, niece, Mariah, would be less valuable than me because she's less developed than I am. And Pastor Aaron would be more valuable because I'm not fully developed and he is. So that doesn't make any sense either. Environment, that's a big difference. One human is inside of his or her mother's uterus, the other human is outside. But since when does where you are determine who you are? I came from home this morning and I wasn't a different person when I traveled seven miles down the road to Church Triumphant. I was the exact same person. So if seven miles doesn't determine who you are, how could seven inches determine who you are down the birth canal? The final difference is degree of dependency. The preborn are much more completely dependent upon their mothers. They're being fed through the umbilical cord, given oxygen and nourishment from their mother. But does that make them less valuable? I'm still partially dependent on my parents. They pay taxes, they pay for my insurance, they pay for my schooling, and that doesn't make me less valuable. In fact, if, if someone is more dependent on another human being, that gives us more of a reason to protect them. That means that we have more of a responsibility to care for them because they are more dependent. And someone in a hospital who's completely dependent upon an oxygen tank, that doesn't make them less valuable at all. So those four differences do not justify killing the preborn, and those are the only four differences. So we know abortion is wrong because of those three points. It's wrong to directly intentionally kill an innocent human. Abortion does that, therefore it's wrong. If that's true, how should Christians be responding to abortion today? 2,500 times a day in America, children will be killed. 2,500 of them. That's according to Planned Parenthood's website, the Guttmacher Institute. 
So that's, there's no doubt that that's true. So how should we, we respond as Christians, as courageous believers, if there are that many children being killed today? Well, I'm going to tell you by reading a Bible verse. Next slide, please. It, it is Matthew chapter 25. When Jesus tells the parable of the final judgment, commonly known as the least of these parable. And Jesus is talking and he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. That's really good news. We know that if we save the life of another human being, we've saved the life of Jesus. And that's a big deal. That means that God will richly bless us because what more can we do for another human? What more can we do for Jesus than save his life symbolically like that? That's very good news for us. But there's also bad news. So if you flip to the next slide... It's the rest of the parable. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So the question is, who are we supposed to protect? Who are the least of these? And that applies to many people. It applies to many people who are discriminated against, those who are weak, those who are suffering. But who does it apply to the most? Maybe the smallest? The weakest, the most vulnerable and defenseless, the most innocent among us, the preborn. I say those apply most to the least of these. And if they are being slaughtered 2,500 times a day, 13 times in Columbus, just an hour north of us, every single day, what should our response be? Because whatever we don't do for the preborn, we don't do for Jesus. So can you imagine 13 times a day standing in front of the cross, watching Jesus die 13 times over and over again, and you don't do anything anytime? Through the whole week, through the whole year, through your whole life, you watch him die 13 times, and you still haven't built the courage to save him. That's what we're doing for the preborn, because we haven't, whatever we haven't done for them, we haven't done for him. 60 million times since Roe versus Wade, we have allowed Jesus to die with little thought about it, just in America. That's how many times this happened to the preborn. So with that, I'll let Thomas speak. Well, that is a heavy statement, but um, it's true. And now that we've told you about Created Equal and about what we see the Bible telling us, why we should do these things, uh, we have a video to show you um, about what abortion actually does. Um, 
So if you'd switch to that, that'd be great. That is also <laughs> very powerful and humbling to know that this has been happening my entire life and more than that previously. And I really didn't hear about it growing up. I didn't know much about it. Uh, not until last year, really, was I, did I realize what was going on. And I feel like many people are in the same shoes where it's just not addressed, and it needs to be. And um, I'll let Michael take up. We've been sharing a lot of heavy stuff with you today because this is a very heavy issue that re uh, requires heavy action. But it's not all bad news, and we want to share some good with news with you too. Uh, don't switch the slide yet, please. Um, I'm going to preface this. First off, we're not, we are stupid, but we do realize that there are very likely to be women in here who've had abortions, men in here who have paid for abortions. And if you are one, we do not condemn you because we have sinned against the same infinite God egregiously, and we all deserve to go to hell. We all deserve to go to hell, but we have been forgiven, and you can be also. So if you've had an abortion, and this makes you feel very awful, which it should because all of our sins should make us feel terrible, it's good that you're recognizing the atrociousness of your sin because that means you can more appreciate God's forgiveness and how merciful he is. The more we've sinned, the more powerfully we've sinned, the more powerful God's grace is. So accept God's grace today. Don't be condemned by us. Be forgiven and be inspired by that. That's the first piece of good news. The second piece of good news is this. Last summer, I did this internship for the first time. And on the very last day, I was, um, I forget if I was with her, but my, my friend and fellow intern, Hannah Gherkin, was at a clinic the very last day of the internship doing an outreach and talking to people going in. A car pulled up with a couple inside, Lulu and Osman, and Hannah walked up to the car and asked them why they were there. This was at Founders Abortion Clinic in Columbus and they were there for an abortion. So what Hannah asked them was, how old is your baby? And they told her, and with that uh, knowledge, she was able to tell them what their baby looked like and also what the abortion would do to their baby. And then she asked them if they would please go with her to the free pregnancy resource center down the road, and they agreed. That day, they chose to keep their baby because of Hannah Gherkin's courage. But then after that, we lost contact with Lulu and Osman, and Created Equal was afraid that maybe they had decided to go back and have their abortion. Because they decided that day, maybe just to please us, maybe to get us off of their back, and then they decided to stop talking to us. And so we were really afraid that they had decided to have the abortion. But then just last April, Lulu sent us this picture. And you can go to the next slide. One more. And that was worth all of our lives combined for the rest of our lives. That one child saved was worth our work. But we are saving more than that by changing minds on the college campus where students are very sexually active, by changing minds downtown Cleveland, Detroit, uh, Columbus, and Cincinnati, by changing minds, and by going straight 
to the battlefield at the abortion clinic and changing their minds at the last second. But that is just one example. I'll let Thomas close. Yes. Um, this is very encouraging to us because all the time I've spent doing this, all the time Michael has spent working for Created Equal, we know that we are spending our time well because even just to save one life is worth all the time in the world. This baby would not be alive today if it weren't for Created Equal and the interns being out there last summer. And that's a humbling thought. And as Michael brought up earlier, uh, he talked about Schindler. And if you could go to the next slide. Um, I'm going to talk about him again just a little more. If any of you have seen the movie Schindler's List, you probably remember at the end of the movie, all of the thousands of Jews that he had saved, they came and they, they wanted to give their appreciation, give their thanks. And they brought him a ring as a token of their appreciation. And when they gave it to him, he wasn't, he wasn't happy, he wasn't overjoyed. He actually started to cry and weep because he started to say, I didn't do enough. I could have done more. And they, they didn't understand that. What are, you, what are you talking about? You saved thousands. And he said, I, I have a car. I could have sold my car and saved five more lives. I could have sold this pendant and saved another life. Why did I hold on to these things when there could be more lives here alive today if I had done more? And he had already gone bankrupt buying Jews and saving them. And if he were to feel that remorseful over not doing enough after he'd already saved thousands, how should we feel after saving none? We, we need to join the fight. We need to save children's lives because they're dying every day. And it's a horrible thing. And we under, we'd love it if everyone here could go out to abortion clinics and uh, talk to women and tell them that there's other options. We realize that's not... Um, not necessarily possible for everyone. They're already raising a family and they have their full-time job. But you should still get out there if you can. And if you want to support the, the movement, you can support us. We are doing this internship this summer. And since uh, Created Equal is a nonprofit pro-life organization, that means we have to raise our own funding. So if you want to further the movement, you can support us. But we encourage you to also Go out there and try and save lives yourselves because it needs to happen. We can't let this go on. Thank you guys very much. We have a table in the back after service, but thank you very much for having us. Yes, thank you. This is serious business, right? And I want you guys to know we as a congregation are already endeavoring to, to help support them. So this is for you, Thomas. And this is for you, Michael. Now, I wouldn't dissuade any of you from giving individually and helping them do what they need to do because this blesses the heart of Christ. But I want to pray for you guys because you've got a big summer ahead of you. You're already three weeks in, and uh, we want to pray that God will do his work through them. So, Lord Jesus, God, we are digesting things that are difficult to process. And, God, we, God I know, God, for some of us, it's probably easier to look away and pay attention. And, and God, I, I pray, Father, our hearts are ravaged. God, what breaks your heart should break ours. And so, God, I pray, Father, that you would, would strengthen, God, our, our resolve to be the people you want us to be. We pray for Michael and Thomas right now, God, that, Lord Jesus, as they are about the business, God, of, of saving lives, 
and preaching the gospel and getting the truth, God, in front of people, God, with grace and, and truth. Lord, I, I pray, Father, your, your blessing would be upon them. I pray your protection would be around them. I pray your wisdom would be upon them. And I pray, God, they know how to answer every person. God, they'd be able to get an answer for the hope that's within them. And I pray, Jesus, your, your footsteps would guide them to exactly the right people. Lord, those whose hearts are, are ripe unto harvest. God, those who have yet to even understand what this is all about. And they'll plant the initial seed that will get them thinking about life and the gospel and the hope of heaven and the grace of Jesus. God, we pray they'd be instrumental in that, Lord. And we pray, Jesus, God, all the seeds they will sow will be watered by others. And we pray, Father, there will be, when, that heaven will be more populated, God, because of their efforts than, than, than it is right now. And so, Jesus, we thank you, Father, for that. We trust you and we bless you. We give you glory and thanksgiving for what you are doing and what you will do. God, we love you, and it's in your great name we pray. Amen. I, I want to share with you really quickly uh, a couple things. And um, I was going to say something like this when I started. I was say, I hate life, but I was going to drag, drag this out. Um. But here's my, my, my concern is, I think we often treat life and everything around it like it's a game. And, and it's not. We see that in how we conduct our lives, what we think about it. We, we, we think there are sides to be drawn. There are things to pay and losses to suffer. And we treat it as if we can uh, take or leave it. But, I mean, honestly, nothing's further from the truth. We just can't learn away now. We can't, we can't act like we don't know things. And, and today I just want to give you some really brief ideas about why we at CT are a life people. We're a life people because it's not a game. We're a life people because it's not about winning a game. We're a life people because it's not about accumulating stuff. We're a life people because it's not about taking sides. We're a life people because it's about seeing things the way God sees it. And then living and valuing and championing it accordingly. I want to say this a few times. Life is before womb and past grave, before infancy and beyond old age. That's what it is. Isaiah 46, 3 through 4, really this. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I have cared for you since you were born. Now listen to this next line. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God through your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you, and I will care for you. I will carry you along, and I will save you. Those are powerful words. Here's the idea. Life is the gift of an eternal soul. Ephesians 1.4 in the message reads like this. Listen to these words. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of His love to be made whole and holy by His love. In order to be known, you have to be someone. And He said before we were here, before anything about this planet existed, He in His mind already knew us. Life is before womb and it's past grave. It's before infancy and it's beyond old age. 
Life is a gift to be lived. Psalm 139 reads like this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Rick Warren has been known to say this, there may be accidental parents, there are no accidental children. Huh? None of, you, none of us are accidents. God knew us previous to the foundation of the world, and He knit us together on purpose, with intention, with great love and care. Life is before womb and past grave. It's before infancy and it's beyond old age. Life is a gift, is the gift to be used. Galatians 1, 15-16, Paul writes these words, But even before I was born... God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace. Then it pleased Him to reveal His Son to me so I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. Listen, one of the worst things you can do right now after hearing this is start consulting with what you think other things might say. What's popular in culture? What's it? You need to consult the one who wrote the manual. What he says. And realize that if, if, if life is the gift to be used, if he, he chose us ahead of time, if He looks and wants His grace on us, if His affection was on us before the foundation of the world, if He knit us together on purpose, then we've got to use life the way He wants life to be used. And we've got to live life all the way to the end. Ecclesiastes 12, 6, and 7, even to the last breath. Yes, remember your Creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. Listen to these words. For then the dust will return to the earth, and the Spirit will return to the God who gave it. When you take your last breath, it's not over. Every facet of life is to be cherished. The preborn, the born, the living, the elderly, there's such a the, 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 the addict, the foreigner, the stranger, it's all in the Bible. Every one of them have value. There's no less than people because of, of and just, just like they just said. Location has nothing to do with it. Age has nothing to do with it. Development has nothing to do with it. We are all made in the image of God. Therefore, the grace and the mercy and the truth of who God is has an effect on every one of us and is necessary for us to come to grips with. We can't count people out. We can't discount their lives. We can't discount their... And we've got to be the, the, the tools in the hands of God to bring hope and strength and life to them. That's why we're a life people. Life is before womb and past grave. It's before infancy. It's beyond old age. Life is the gift to be shared. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6, after he talks about the foundation of the world, us being known by him, he says, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. He intends for us to share life with other people. He intends for us to be, be, be in between others and death. 
He intends for us to come alongside of those who are weak and tired. He intends for us to be be alongside of those who are struggling in life, through life, with life. He intends for that. He wanted what a pleasure he took in planning this, it says. He wanted to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. That he is the linchpin on all of it. He wanted us to enter into the, the celebration of this, of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Man, that's beautiful. Life is the gift to be shared. Life is before womb and it's past grave and it's before infancy and it's beyond old age. So what do you do in in light of that? You, me, we should become advocates for life. Every one of us. Isaiah 49.5 says this, And now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb, to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. He's all about bringing people back to right relationship with himself. The Lord has honored me, and God has given me strength. It's an honor to hear what you've heard today. It's it's by the strength of, of God's Spirit that you'll be able to carry out what you do from this point on with what you've learned. Here's what I think. I think we've all got to be about the business. I think we've all got to find our spot in the fray somewhere. Can I, can I, can I say something? Maybe you are like, like Michael described. And he, he, he talked about needing the, to, to, to know that if, if you've been a part of, of, of the act of abortion in some way, shape, or form, that you're, you're trying to deal with that. Can I say something to you? Man, the grace of Jesus is big. It covers everything. We sing a song here at the church that says, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. It's that big. And God's hope for you is that you would allow Him to come in and bring the healing you need from the inside out. And you receive that by receiving His Son, Jesus. You receive that by saying, I believe He is who He said He is, that He's the one who gives us life. And he will bring forgiveness and hope and strength to you. That's that's your first start. That's how you advocate for life. You receive the life Jesus Jesus wants to give you. The hope and the forgiveness he wants to give you. Secondly, you do this. You live, use, and share your life as as the gift God gave you on purpose. I don't know if you cut all those scriptures, but on purpose God gave you life. All of them dictate that God had a plan way before you were here. And so now what you have to do is you have to take the life he's already given you and you've got to walk, you've got to run with it. You've got to be willing to give it away. There are no throwaway lives. I said this a few weeks ago. There are no throwaway lives. There are no accidental children. There, are, there may be accidental parents. They didn't move. They didn't but God knew. You, every one of us are on purpose. We've got to live and use the life. And it doesn't matter. Check this out. Some of you might be elderly. I sat in my office with, with our consultant pastor, Pastor Chuck Hedges, the other day. And he said, Aaron, you just got to encourage, I encourage you. You don't feel like you're too late in anything. Moses didn't get started ministry until he was 80. Huh? No throwaway lives. None. Zero zilts. Nada. There's not an addict in this room or in this county that's a throwaway life. Not one. There's not a prostitute in and around us who's a throwaway life. There's not an immigrant or a foreigner or a stranger who's a throwaway life. 
There's, there's, not, there's not one. All of us have value because we're all made in the image of God, and Jesus died that the world might know God. All of us have value. Second, pray for our society and the power of death that exists over it. You know, the Bible says the power of life and death are in the tongue. And there's death all over our society just by this thing right here. All over Twitter, all over Facebook, all over the news, all over the... Forget that. Don't be that person. Pray for the society. Use your tongue to bring life through prayer. Use your tongue to support life by prayer. Use your tongue to talk to the one who can make the difference in the heart and in the mind, who can create. What was that? What was that? Lulu? What, what was it? Huh? Is that real? That's real. My gosh. Speak up in the lives of those your life crosses. I'm big on relationship. I believe we got to earn the right to speak into people's lives. I got to be willing to do life with people if they're going to hear the truth. I can't just just hit them on the side of the head and tell them they got they're, they're stupid and they're wrong. I got to engage their story. I got to engage. I got to make them feel like Jesus really loves them, and then they're willing to tell me their story, and then they're willing to hear what I what, what the scripture might have to say about where they are. You hear what I'm saying? Speak up in the lives of your life. And listen, here's another thing. Volunteer and support ministries that work for life. You know why we, we support a ministry called Pure? You know why? Because these are kids who are left without homes. They matter to God. And so we want to make sure foster parenting and adoptive care and different things like that happen. And we, we support them right through the, uh, our own church. It's a big deal because every life matters. And so if we talk a parent into keeping a child, you know what we need to do? We need to make sure that child has some, some, some family to go to, right? It's all, the same, it's all the same story. It's all the same reason. So Support Mercy Homes. You know, Mercy Homes, we had them here in April. They're going to open a home down on Paint Street. So an unwed mom has a place to stay until she has her baby and has a transitional housing to keep her baby, to keep things on. We need to be a part of that. Elizabeth's Hope Pregnancy Care Center. Be a part of that. Mentoring and growing moms and dads. There's all kinds of options. Some of you may not be wired for credit equal and doing street ministry like you've just seen. But doggone it, there's one of them you can get involved in right there. I can just name three or four. You understand what I'm saying? There's a spot for all of us. Every believer can, should, does minister. All of us. God's faithful. Support right to life. There's Ohio right to There's all kinds of places to get locked in and be a part of the process of bringing life to people and protecting life. All kinds. Don't stop. I, I, I've recently become a, I don't say recently, but in the last few years, I read, I read, a, I read a, a biography um, called Bonhoeffer about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor during World War II in Nazi Germany. And he would confront Christians because it was, it was, it was told that when Jews were slinging past the churches in the boxcars, the Christians would just sing louder so they couldn't hear their cries or the, or the trains going by. 
And he ended up dying in Nazi Germany in a prison camp like two weeks before, before the Allies won the war. He wrote a book called Cost of Discipleship. He wrote another book called Doing Life Together. He wrote several things. He, 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 he ran an illegal seminary, <laughs> which I thought was pretty awesome. And here's what, here's what I think. We can't be those who just sing while the atrocities are going on. We can't be those who just stay comfortable where we are and hope that just somebody does something. We've got to be those who are willing to pay the cost of being a real disciple of Jesus. We've got to do life with people. And we, we've got to be a part of the process of bringing hope and healing and salvation to anybody, everybody, anywhere we can. That's what we're called to do. Not to be comfortable sitting in an air conditioning building with nice padded pews. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.